looking forward to uh, an event. Uh, I There's a nonprofit that my best friend runs, and uh, we're having a big event on Veterans Day and uh, looking forward to helping put on that event and participating in it. So that be- oh, that's awesome. What's the event type? Uh, it's called uh, Swing Time, and uh, the... The charity is uh, a nonprofit that recognizes the Scottsdale Airport during World War II was used to train Army Air Corps pilots. And uh, a lot of people didn't know that. So they have a a Stearman airplane on a display there. And then all the money they raise, they give scholarships to young folks going into aviation disciplines. And they also uh, partner with an organization called Pause for Vets. So very, I, I, I like what they do for the community. So happy to. Wow. Have. That's awesome, man. And, and thank you for your service. How, how much has your, uh, your time in the military had an influence on your leadership and business decisions? Well, first, let me just say it was a privilege and honor for me to serve my country. Um, it's, uh, it's funny. I think that veterans, we bring a lot to the workplace. Um, but for me, I thought as, a, as an aviator, um, there are certain things that we learned in aviation. And one of them is, you know, planning, right? You, you can't, we just don't go out and fly an airplane, right? And land. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank no. goodness. So you got to have a plan, right? And so we, and then we brief the plan before we go out and fly. We execute the plan and then we come back and we debrief it, right? So it's always that cycle of, you know, talking about what you're going to do, going out and doing it, and then coming back and talking about how it went. Because in aviation and life, right, there's a lot of variables over which you have no control, right? And so you have to sort of embrace uncertainty. When you when you take off in an airplane, you really don't know where you're going to land. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. I mean, you, you could get a prediction of wow. it, but it could be wrong. So there's a lot of those things that I learned in aviation that I found that I brought back with me to uh, to life and business. I love that. How accurate is Top Gun? That thing's got to be as great. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Hey, what's up? And welcome to Vision Pros Live. I'm your host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. I've got Ron Higgs on today, former U.S. Navy, well, still U.S. Navy veteran, um, Ron Higgs, and uh, turned fractional COO. Um, we're going to be talking about the difference in roles of COOs and CEOs and why they shouldn't hate each other, um, why they should be working together. Um, same thing with the forgotten CMOs in the equation. I mean, there's just so much growth, so much understanding that even if you don't have any of those C-level executives in your business, it's something to vision paint. It's something to be thinking about and realizing, you know what, maybe that's part of my problem is that I don't have great leaders helping me build things out. Uh, I'm I'm just saying it might be. We're going to be diving in more with Ron on that. So uh, before we dive into that, we're going to talk a little bit about these sponsors right here, Cold Click and Tap Mental. So Cold Click, uh, these are sponsors, by the way, that are chosen by me because I use their services. In the case of Cold Click, I use LinkedIn. I use their services for LinkedIn automation, and that gets me connected to all of these people that you're seeing come on these pre-shows 
uh, pre-shows on these shows with Vision Pros Live. I do a little pre-show with them in advance. It connects me to wonderful people who are doing great things in the world. I also utilize that to, of course, get people connected to our services um, that we provide at First Class Business. So um, they protect us from uh, algorithm changes. They stay very close to what's going on at LinkedIn and, and how we can make sure that we're compliant. And also they're strategic advisors for um, helping us with our, our messaging, um, auditing that, editing that, helping us make sure we're on point with how we approach people. Then there's Tap Mental. Tap Mental is a company run by Dave Goodall. You go to tapmental.io and Dave helps blue collar businesses really trans, um, not transition, not transform, but connect the psychology um, problems of psychology that a business owner faces with the systems that need to be executed and, and put into place. And I know that sounds kind of like, what? Like, how, how do those two things go together? Um, well, if you haven't heard about Mind Trash, I recommend looking up a few videos on YouTube. If you haven't done a lot of work with self-awareness, same thing. However, if you have been in business for three, five, 10 years, you probably have started to see how some of your own internal limitations are direct components of why your business isn't operating as effectively as it could be. Dave has an incredible ability to cut through with clarity to help business owners understand how to work their CFO departments, what changes to make in terms of their systems. And his case studies have impressed me tremendously, so much so that we switched gears from not only him being a client, but also advising me on some of my systems and diving a little bit deeper into my psyche, if you will. So um, I can't recommend Dave enough, especially again, if you're in that blue collar construction style business, if you feel like, you know, you're a good old boy, you need somebody to relate to you who's not as emotional, but is is still able to dive into the, the disruptions that you might need internally. Dave's awesome at what he does. So uh, before we move into Ron's story, we also always want to highlight the water project. The Water Project is um, my go-to charity of choice to talk about. Um, you know, anybody who, who if, if any of you listening in have ever been in a situation where you don't have access to water um, for an extended period of time, uh, then then you may know, you may really want to consider helping out with this project. Um, these children, these communities, they don't have access to clean drinking water. They often have to walk miles and miles just to get water that could end up uh, ruining their life further. And this project focuses on different communities that that need help for more than 300 people um, at a time often. And you get to pick which project you want to support, which I think is really cool. And you get to see the outcome as they document the process of these people going from not having access to water to then getting access to water. And you get to learn about the training they go through in the process as well. This is going to change a community for generations, which is why I love the effects of, of giving back to this cause. If you have a cause that you want to be supported, uh, don't hesitate to drop that in the comments and compete with our cause. Um, we all have lots of opportunities to give in life. This is just one of them. And uh, we appreciate you taking some time, putting in some effort to help us help the 8 billion people in the world um, who need further help. So without further ado, uh, I'm going to bring Ron Higgs on, on board. We're going to be talking about his vision as a fractional COO. Ron, thanks for being on Vision Pros, man. Hi, Jackson. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So, Ron, let's dive in hot and heavy. Who, who should be listening right now and why do you feel they should listen to you? Well, I, I think anybody who's open to learning more about themselves, becoming better leaders uh, should be listening. So C-level executives, 
um, anybody aspiring to be a C-level executive. I, I think that leadership, you know, is the cornerstone of pretty much everything, right? And so if you can learn to be a better leader, it will help you at whatever stage of your life or professional career you're in. Absolutely. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about your background, too. Um, so I've, I've got, uh, let me, let me pull up your LinkedIn page a little bit. I'll, I'll prelude it a little. Let's see here. I'm, I'm either going to race to it or Cynthia's going to beat me to it. We'll see. Um, here we go. So, uh, again, U S Navy veteran. Um, so you have experience in the military, uh, you're a strategic business advisor and you've been an executive coach now. Um, and, and let's, you know, I'll scroll through this while you talk through it, but, uh, walk me through your experience of growing into leadership. Well, it started at a young age. Uh, I'm a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy, so it started there. I mean, uh, leadership is embedded in the DNA of that entire institution since 1845, and they embedded it in us as we went through those four years there. So that was an important part of where it started. And then my time in the military, always in leadership positions as an officer in the military, always uh, having to lead by example, and every thing that we did in the military was growth oriented. You move from assignment to assignment, but you're growing, you're learning from people. And one of the things that um, that got me in, we didn't call it coaching then, but in the military, you go into a unit and everybody has a tour in that unit, let's say it's three or four years. And that means that we're training our replacements. You know, we're moving up every year. We're in, our responsibilities increasing until our time is up and we leave. And so we are constantly leading, up-leveling, and coaching all of those that come behind us because we know they're going to replace us, right? So that's one of the things that um, you asked me earlier what I brought with me um, in the civilian world. And so that was one of the things that I brought in with me from the Navy. That's awesome. Um, and that that depth that just going through your resume on LinkedIn, um, seeing the types of companies you've worked with Boeing for six years, I think it said uh, the military for 19 years, um, having grown up in, uh, you know, in a an academy of leadership training, um, like the, the depth is awesome. Um, I want to circle back. I want to actually focus a lot on that. But for the sake of the show's format, we're going to have to come back to that after if we have time. If not, we'll have a secondary conversation um, because there's there's just so much that uh, I think people can learn from, again, that dynamic of not only leading the military, but then transitioning back to civilian life, um, you know, and, and going through that. I got a lot of buddies and friends who would benefit from that conversation. Um, so uh, before we do that, what's your vision for those that you serve right now? Um, I, I, I like to keep things in fairly simple terms. So for me is to teach people to inspire others, to inspire others to do whatever it is they want to do, whatever it is they want to grow into. But I think we've all been in situations where people just don't inspire us to perform. They don't inspire us to go do and be anything. And so I like working with people to sort of unleash their greatness to, their greatness to help them inspire others. Awesome. And then for the the business owners that you're serving as a fractional COO, let's dive a little bit deeper into that one as well. So what, what beyond the inspiration, um, what do you hope to see them accomplish? What are they looking to, to accomplish in their lives? Well, I, I'm going to go back to the inspiration thing again, right? Because you have to learn to inspire those at every level around you. 
to do it. But for the business owners, typically, you know, you understand the concept of visionaries. Visionaries are the people with all the ideas and everything. They're the ones that are typically all over the place. But without those visionaries, you know, there are a lot of things that wouldn't exist. There are other people that they need to engage to make those things a reality. So I, I'd like to help people in every position realize that they have blind spots, they have natural tendencies, they have expertise, and then others have expertise that complements theirs. So an example is if you know and you realize that you're sort of a low EQ person here at the top, then you should hire somebody else at the top that has a high EQ to balance that out. And I think that happens at, at every level for people to be open to those who don't sort of operate like they do and people who have different perspectives than they do, but to learn how to work with those people in a complementary manner to move the business forward. Huge. Um, absolutely. It's, it's uh, different, different elements provide different strengths um, and also come with different weaknesses. Um, so sure. businesses is no different. Well said. Uh, let's talk about your vision for you. Ron, what, what do you see for yourself over the next uh, five minutes to five, five million years? You're welcome to define that however you want. <laughs> well, you know what? Impact, right? So I want to be in a position where I can have a positive impact on more and more people. Um, I was in the aerospace and defense community after I, you know, military, aerospace and defense community. I was in that community for a long time, but I just had this calling to go out and do where, what can I do? Where can I go where I will have more impact on others? Okay. So I stumbled my way into fractional COO business and now moving towards doing some strategic advising for smaller companies that are in the aerospace and defense industry. And again, the executive coaching, I think that will allow me to have more of an impact on others. And the next step in that thing is I'd really like to, to do some keynote speaking and reach out and stand in front of groups of people. Again, that will increase my impact. Absolutely. What about outside of the business world? What you got, you like, you like golf, you like fishing? You know, I'm waiting for golf, right? To golf, I have a lot of friends that like golf and as long as my body holds up, Right. When I retire, I'm going to learn right. golf. And apparently I have to learn pickleball because everybody else does. But I am a snowboarder and a mountain biker. Oh, cool. And uh, I most enjoy spending time around, uh, you know, with good food um, and good drink with family and friends. That's yes. uh, absolutely the thing I love to do the most. We can do this food thing. I'm, I'm all about the food. <laughs> pickleball yeah, we can, we travel, can watch pickleball i'll watch it i guess <laughs> all right typically when i travel i'll check out i'll try to check out a diners drive-ins and dives restaurant you know just to, nice just to expand that uh you know culinary yeah adventure. yeah i like trying new things man that's my that's my go-to is finding a new place something local uh it's great okay well let's take a let's take a dark dive um so in terms of business What's the, what's the worst business experience that you've ever had? Well, sort of business, but I had, um, I actually, I actually took a, a W2 job <laughs> and, uh, I took it and I felt like it was the right fit at the right time. It would help me sort of in the future with my, uh, with my business and, um, it didn't work out, let's say. 
Yeah. And there, I don't think that there was anything that I could have done, anything that I could have asked, anything that I could have, you know, as far as the interview process that would have uncovered all of this mm -hmm. stuff. And, and I will say that, you know, the values for the company, I, you know, I was aligned with the values. I thought it was great, but it turned out to be kind of lip service, right? Yeah. The company was mired in bureaucracy, you know, arrogance to like our way of doing this is the absolute best way. There's no other way to do it, right? It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Not very open to, yeah. you know, input from others, you know, and sort of more focused, more focused on meaningless KPIs than actually helping the client. And, and I will say that my KPIs around the client all had to do with numbers and selling the client something and it didn't have anything to do with how much I helped the client achieve their goals. And so I just, it wasn't the right place for me. Yeah. But I will say, so it wasn't a good experience at the time. However, the learning from that uh, was huge, right? The learning on how to, okay, what kind of different questions could I ask to spot this? But moreover, being able to go into an organization and see some of those things and help the organization work their way through it. Excellent. Dude, you, you just sparked something really big for me between you and actually Scott, um, both of you guys, um, back to back uh, appointments, um, values. Um, everybody has values. There's not, a, there's not a single person that doesn't have them. And at the same time, they're executed very differently. Yeah. So you're bringing up something that's super important. It's not enough for the culture to just, and I don't want to say claim they have values because they do, but there's a different magnitude. So for instance, um, somebody who hates everybody in the world may love their family. They still have the value of love. They just exercise in a way where you're excluded from it. Um, you know, they may have the value of patience. They're patient enough for the microwave to finish their food, but if they're stuck in traffic and you're the problem, there's no patience whatsoever expressed right um in and so it, when we get into the habit of just looking at values as a uh as a unit of like oh cool we share the same values well no, sorry but no duh we all share the same types yeah. of values but how do we exercise those in in life and i've been there ron too but you guys have really opened my mind over the last couple of days of oh okay, yeah, this is how I need to shift my own thinking relation to values. Because if I don't, then, you know, it's, it, it becomes more of like a fight right? and an understanding of, of, well, wait a second, how are we exercising these values? Do we, do we exercise them in the same way? You kind of blew my mind right there. Thank you. <laughs> Another thing I, I would add that helps is for the company to actually define those values. You could put a word up there. Mm. You could put a word, say integrity accountability. But what does it mean in that context? Just like you said, I may walk away from that with, you know, I may go look at the textbook definition and go, okay. <laughs> right. Or I may have my own. Yes. Right? And so it, it helps for the companies to really define what they mean by, uh, by those, you know, by the words that they I love have that. On, on painted on the wall or, you know, on their website and all that stuff. There's some really, um, really smart people who will challenge you on that. Um, and say, like, what do you mean? The dictionary definition is the definition of the word. Um, but not if you look at the history of the dictionary, right? You go back to the, you know, you use an 1820s dictionary to define a specific word. 
that word definition has completely evolved and changed for today's society. Um, and so I, I love what you're saying there. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of extreme value in getting clear about how you relate to your values and how you want others to relate to those as well. So that that was an awesome share. What about your best experience in business? Let's shift gears to the lighter side. What what does that look like, Ron? Well, this is going to be another sort of unorthodox story, but it really was the best for me. I, uh, I left my corporate job and I started off as an independent consultant right? and then just in the learning phase of starting off. And then just like everybody else, I think who starts some problems with client acquisition, some problems in really stating what my value was and, and all of the above. And so I was getting a little frustrated, maybe three or four months into this um my new self-employment experiment i was you know i was trying hard i was networking i was doing all sorts of stuff right just not able to close anything and uh i was out with my wife one sunday afternoon in july it was hot we were in shorts and flip-flops we roll into a a micro a microbrewery we sit next to this couple and we start chatting just started chatting and ended up talking to the guy and he's like well i'm in town because i'm gonna buy this brewery oh really and so we just started talking about beer and I'm a craft beer enthusiast. So I, I had, you know, I, I knew my subject. I talked. Yeah. So I gave the guy some advice about what breweries to visit, what to do while he was in town and all that stuff. And we talked a little bit. So I gave him my business card. And about a week later, he emailed me and said, hey, everything you told me was spot on. How'd you like be my consultant for my expansion into Washington State? And I was like, yeah, so handshake deal, all of the networking and all of the <laughs> books I was reading on closing and sales and everything, right? And all of that, nothing. And then just a chance meeting with someone at the right time because my wife and his wife started talking and it was, you know, it was great. And so, you know, some people say, hey, there is no luck. You know, there's, there's this confluence of preparation and opportunity. Well, that's right. For me, preparation is I know my subject, right? Right. And the opportunity was what was handed to me right there at the time. And so I that to me was the best business experience I had. And stand-up guy, great guy, and everything we did was with a verbal agreement. Right. And so, you know, he held up his end, I helped up my end. It, it really was a fantastic experience. And, and I wish I would have more experiences like that. Well, and and we can manifest those. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not big into saying like, oh, I'm going to manifest this. And so five minutes later, it's going to happen. Um, you know, right. there's, there's a lot of actions that go along with that and a lot of cultivating. And it wasn't luck. Right. So you, there you were living your life, putting yourself into an environment where that could happen. Right. It, it probably wouldn't have happened had you and your wife had dinner at McDonald's. Um, you know, you probably would not have run into that person. Um, you certainly wouldn't run into that one. You might've run into somebody like them, but when you're going about living, you know, according to standards that align with your target audience and, and what you do, uh, you're not forcing the issue. Like a lot of networking experiences are right. where it's like, oh, we're here to try to right. robotically build business. Um, you know, and that's not nearly as, as genuine as what happened. I also love that you guys did the business on the handshake deal. Um, there's so many great opportunities that come forward and that can happen for business when you're not so rigid, um, trying to play lawyer, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, it can be, 
I know it can feel like the right way to do business is have everything documented. And don't get me wrong, uh, by the way, disclaimer, I'm not your financial advisor. I'm not your legal advisor. Uh, everything that I say is potentially wrong, blah, blah, blah. All the disclaimers that need to be said, don't listen to Jackson. Um, but I have made plenty of, of handshake deals. And you're right. Those are often the best ones because you got two human beings who are willing right. to be human beings together. Yeah, there was no proposal for that. Just said, this is what I want you to do. This is how much I pay you. We went back and forth on that a little bit. And that was it. Right? Was Healthy dialogue, yeah. right? Negotiations. So many people think that negotiation means uh, negotiating with terrorists, right? Um, yeah. Hostile negotiations. Now, negotiation means healthy dialogue, ideally. So I cool. agree. I will add this. I had one of my <laughs> colleagues tell me, she goes, I had some of my, I told her that story. And she says, you know what? She goes, I got some of my best clients while I was on vacation. So same yeah. kind of thing. Yep, exactly. So let's talk about uh, another powerful lesson. Um, so what powerful lesson comes to mind when you think about being in front of visionaries who can learn from your experience? So we, we touched on it before. If you're a visionary, realize that you have blind spots. And so again, there's visionaries typically, you know, big thinkers, big picture thinkers, 30,000 feet, but a lot of people, you know, that take care of the details or are task driven people, they like that stuff, you know, and the visionary needs, if they want to complete a task or if they want to get their idea off the ground, right, they need to seek out some of those other people and realize that they have the different skill set. There are people out there who are driven by tasks. You know, just tell me what to do and I'll go out and do it, right? People yeah. out there that are driven by data, data and setting up processes. They, they look at the task people and go, hey, I know you're, you're doing this, but let's systematize it to make sure we do it right every time. And the visionary has to realize what their blind spots are and find those people. Mm, I love that. And so there's, there's a level of maturity here that you're talking about. And that's that, you know, it doesn't matter. You can be 19 and be mature. Um, you know, you don't have to have 10 years of experience in business to be a great business owner. Um, I find that that's the case more often. Um, you know, those who have, who are 40 years old, those who've had the business ownership experience for eight years, um, they tend to have more stability because of the experiences that they've had. They tend to make more room for others because they've been through their own transitions of life and figuring out who they are and their identity. What does that look like? I think it's brilliant. Um, so anybody who's, who's younger and listening in, um, or maybe who has a whole team of cheerleaders that are just like you, it might be a really good idea to take a, take a step back and look and say, okay, how do I make space for all the people who love what I complain about or, or love what I hate to do? Um, and, and how do I, that leads to, to, I guess, maturity number two, which has been on my mind a lot. You got to let people lead. Yeah. You know, and, and one, one of the things that happens often, I would say, I don't know, maybe, maybe 20 to 40% of the time, I'm not going to pin it down yet, but in our pre-show environment, when people come on to, to qualify for this show, you're one of the exemplary guests, Ron, like your leadership stood out. You allowed the process to progress naturally. There's a lot of people who come into the pre-show and they immediately start dominating the meeting. They immediately take control and, and they, they want to determine their own outcome for how it goes. 
And it actually derails the entire process for one. Two, they never really get to see who I am and how I do things. Because now I have to cater to what they want the experience yeah. to be like. So you end up, you end up, uh, what's that word for it? Um, you end up becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy of creating a fabricated environment for your experiences rather than being a leader who steps back and listens and allows the process to unfold. So you can naturally see how people behave and how they interact. What are your thoughts on that as a leader? You, you, you've had to experience that a ton throughout your career. Well, I agree with you. Uh, the big thing is that there's letting go is big, you know, two words, let go, right? Let go of perfectionism. Cause that's a big thing. I, I, I I suffered from it as well, as I'm sure most do, right? You just realize that, you know, I got to let go of this perfectionism if I'm going to get something done, right? And yeah. then letting go of control, that's a big one, right? And I have the best ideas. I'm the idea person here. And, you know, I'm the only one, right? And so it's like, no, mm-hmm. that's not really true because I don't think I've ever had an idea that someone else didn't make better, right? Yeah. And so awesome. you see something that's a brilliant idea, and then there's other people that will jump on it and just keep expanding upon it to make it that much better. Right. So there's this thing that there's this, you know, letting go and then being open. Right. And just being open to other perspectives, being open to, uh, you know, uncertainty, being open to failure. Right. And then being humble too, right. You know, humility. Right? We talked about that. Humility. I, I saw one of your other you were t- you were speaking with one of your other guests on a previous uh-huh. podcast. And you talked about humility and that, that was a big deal. You know, if somebody comes and asks you something, you know, it's like, you know what? I don't know. Or I'm not sure. But let's either find the answer together. Or I thought was this worked for me a very powerful ways, a very powerful phrase. What do you think? <laughs> right? right? I got great answers think? that way. Great answers that way. So there's that combination of, you know, to sum it up, you know, be open, you know, and uh, be open and let go. Right. Those two things. You remember those two things. I think you'll be okay. I love that. I love that a lot. I love this quote to have never had an idea that someone else didn't make that much better. Um, that's humility in full confidence on display. Um, and leaders would, would be wise to pay attention to that. Um, so let's, uh, let's explore some of the opportunities of being a visionary leader, um, bringing you in as a fractional COO. What does that look like? Well, these days, you know, it always starts with a conversation, right? right? And then truly trying to understand what people are looking for. And, you know, my web, I I have to admit, honestly, my website could be better, right? But I figure- Everybody has to admit that, Ron. I'm going to blow you away with that. Every single website (laughs) can be better. Yours is great. Keep going. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, I use LinkedIn. People typically find me through Furrow or LinkedIn, and they typically are only going to go to my website to sort of check me out. Uh Um, But let's see. It starts with a conversation and not an assessment, a conversation. Let me truly understand what your problem is. And I mean what their problem is and not a symptom, because those of us who are who come in from the outside to help businesses or other people, right? Typically, they'll say, I have a problem with X. Well, just like when you go to the doctor, the doc- you go to the doctor and say, hey, I've got this problem. And then the doctor steps back and, and um, evaluates the cause of the problem or the disease, right? So ask enough questions to figure out to truly understand what their issue is. And for me, okay, 
am I the right person to help them? What kind of help do they need? And am I the right person to it for it? I offer three services. One of them is as an advisor, um, self-explanatory. Uh, the other one is as an executive coach. And the third is as a fractional COO. Obviously, I can't take on that many fractional COO gigs, uh, right? But that that's one of those things where I have to really, really, at this point in my career, I have to really, really like and enjoy the business and want to do that. Because at some stage, I think we all have to, you know, I have three answers to like, hey, Ron, do you want to do that? It's no, yes, or heck yeah, I want to do that. That's great. And I try to keep it to a heck yeah. Um, so that's where it starts with that conversation and evaluation. And typically I've built a network. So it's like, hey, I know exactly what you need. You actually need marketing help. Let me refer you to this CMO person that I know who will be the best to help you and let's stay in touch. Right. So that's, you know, it's typically where it starts. And I, like I said, I evaluate uh, their needs and recommend uh, the best solution, not necessarily the best solution for me, but the best solution for them in Absolutely. every Every discussion is unique. Every company is unique. Every situation is unique, which is why I use the word bespoke in my on my website. Define that word for me, please. Uh, unique, different, tailored specifically to you. Awesome. Appreciate that. Um, I, uh, I typically operate at about a third grade level. Um, so that's helpful. Let's also do that with advisor and uh, coach. two grades above me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the, the advisor and the executive coach, uh, for those who want to know the difference, how would you define the difference between somebody who's advising and somebody who's executive coaching? Well, in advising is to a business. So I am an advisor to a couple of startups in the aerospace and defense industry, right? And they have a board of advisors. Right. Or, you know, they have some challenges, you know, if they're going and not necessarily they don't have to be in the aerospace and defense industry. But sometimes an executive team or an executive just needs someone to ask a question, you know, and especially let's say I dealt in government contracts from both sides. I was a part I was in the government as a Navy a guy. I did program management and acquisition. So I worked with defense contractors on uh, military systems. So I was on that side of it. And then as a uh, as a guy who worked for a defense contractor, I was on the other side of the contracting part. So some of these folks that are new that don't know much about the government contracting process, you know, I'm able to help them with that. And there's even some simple stuff as a veteran. They're like, hey, we're doing this thing with the Navy. And I'm like, okay, let me show you all the different ranks and help you understand like whose question you have to answer first, you know, when they're asking, when they're sitting around the table, um, mm. simple things like that, right? Executive coach, again, someone, I am working with someone one-on-one -on -one to achieve a specific goal in a stated period of time, right? And it doesn't have to be, you know, the time can vary, but hey, I am trying to figure out my buying spots. I am trying to become a better leader. I am trying to work on my EQ, right? I'm trying to work on my patience, whatever it is. I'm trying to become, you know, I have some visionary tendencies that tend to turn others away. I need to be able to control those, work those, work better with people, all of those different things. And so we go through a series of one-on-one -on -one discussions that allows that person to be, to reach their goal. Absolutely. I think a lot of those leaders, um, too, they, they don't know what they don't know. That's you know, you, you, favorite you, sayings. <laughs> you can kind of reach that point, right. you know, yep. where like, uh, and it's not an ego driven thing. It's like, okay, 
I've learned a lot of Spanish, for instance, um, and there's a ton of things that I can now do with the language, but I can't catch anymore what I do and don't know. And I can't just turn to a simple book to quickly get guidance on, on how I can take that to the next level. Um, it would be much faster, much easier for me to work with an advanced Spanish coach or trainer to open my eyes to yes. all of the flaws that I have and what I do. And that's ultimately what executive coaching kind of boils down to as well, I would say. Anything you want to add there? No, uh, that sums it up really well. I, I appreciate cool. that. Awesome. Um, so one of the, <clears throat> you had sparked a, a memory of mine um, about, oh, that's what it was. It was huge. That's why I was like, I got to get back to this. I wrote it down. Um, you talked about ranks around the table. And in the military, right, that can be very overwhelming for somebody who's not familiar with, with military ranks. Um, and on the flip side, I take that for granted for business because of how long I've been at this. But it made me realize, whoa, I can do a far clearer job of making sure that I test my sales reps or any customer service reps, anybody that has to engage with a client or a client's team, uh, ideally would be well-trained on POC, DMs, um, et cetera. And what are we talking about? Point of contacts, um, the decision makers, the influencers for the decision, um, you know, the, the partners, the principals, uh, you use the tag principle. I know a lot of business owners who've never heard that term before. Um, you know, and, and it's, or they think of a high school principal, um, versus the principal of a, of a company. And if you don't know those things, then it becomes impossible to operate an organization. Um, if you don't have familiarity with it too, it becomes, uh, very difficult to sell because you don't know who to tell what. Let's talk about that a little bit. We got a few minutes. Well, you know, again, there's this, if you're sitting around the table, you're assuming that everybody needs to be heard you know everybody's input is of value but you're absolutely right in having to know exactly who does what like who's who are the people who are responsible who are the people that are accountable you know who are the people who are sort of just consultants and who are the people who just need to be informed or are there because they have to be right yeah. and I, I mean think uh, amazon has a really good they have something called the bar raiser in their interview process, right? And that person is just sitting back, not a part of that organization. And that part, that person is responsible for making sure that the interviewee is going to level up Amazon, right? Does that, you know, so that's pretty interesting in having all of those different people around the table uh, and knowing, knowing who's who. That's important, but it's also important to make sure that everyone is heard. Right. So the example that I gave you, it's just that, you know, again, that's one of those things that you don't know. If you don't know the military ranks, I'm going to help you. Right. I'm going to help you. You know, hey, when the admiral speaks, this is what the admiral's insignia looks like. And you'll see everybody else defer to the admiral. You know, the same thing. Um, Absolutely. So these, I, uh, I felt like I rambled a little bit, but sorry. I don't know. No, no, <laughs> Hopefully good. I answered. You did the uh, so you're talking to, let's say, a founder or a CEO and they're considering bringing in a fractional COO, right? They don't have one. They've had some office managers. They've had people who've kind of filled the, the gap, but they've realized like, uh oh, um, they that's really not how we're going to go about the COO thing. Um, what are the main questions that they should be asking you to really get down to business and understand? you're the right guy to turn to. 
what is a fractional COO? <laughs> that's a good one. Right, right? That, that's one. And, and I think it's, it's worth an explanation, right? Because fractional is, you know, somebody who actually has the role, the responsibility is a part of the leadership team an equal decision maker on the leadership team, but does it work 40 hours a week? Hold on, I'm gonna defend you real quick. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna dive pretty deep. I'm gonna hit this hard. I want you to think about those deeper level questions, Ron. And here's why, my friends, here's why I'm interrupting Ron on this so rudely. Um, Ron is a nurturer to an extreme, and I know that. Um, and we, we've seen that in our behind the scenes interactions as well. So his goal right now, he's like, man, I just wanted to find this for everybody. That way everybody yeah. gets on the same page. Yeah. But Ron, I want you to take the time right now to dive in for the people who already get it. The people who are okay. at the stage yeah. where they, they really like, they understand the value of fractional COO. They might've even experimented with a few. Maybe they did that wrong a little bit. What's that deeper level question that they should be asking you or the deeper level questions they should be considering if they wanna like bring you into their operation right now? Well, one, why do you think you need me? And, and, and I really mean, honestly right what is it what's going on in the company and you know i had one ceo say listen i think we're doing great at the stuff that we do but i don't think we're doing really good in running the business and i need someone that can help us do a better job of running the business right i need somebody that can take a look objectively and you know tell us really what's going on and, and be honest about it right and they really should ask, let me see how I can put this. I, I, I can come in with a dispassionate view of the company, right? Don't care who's related to who, right? Who helped start the company. I'm just looking objectively at this is what's going on. Here and now. This person is toxic, right? <laughs> and do you, you know, this person has to go. Yeah, I know it's your co-founder, but if you want to get anywhere and your best friend, or your sister, right? <laughs> your brother, parent, whatever, but they're going to have to go. So right. what questions do you ask? They have to be, will you be honest with me about your, you know, about what you see? And nobody is looking to hurt anybody's feelings, but I have to be honest because I'm, I'm on the side of the business, right? And, and there's no malice there, right? This no. is what I see, right? It's not personal. Facts. Business. Right. And this is what's happening. And as you well know, one person only takes one person can really, really sell a company. Um, you know, right. have you had, you know, uh, they, they can also ask about my, why do you do this, Ron? Why do you do it? And, and, and I, and I tell them uh, again, I am one of, I'm a generalist and I like to leave things better than I found them. And I, you know, will go in and look and I just like to improve things. I like to walk away and leave things better than they were when I got there. I am, you know, sort of addicted to self-improvement and continuous improvement and all that stuff. And that stuff I love. Um, I love to do that. To help the addiction. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then they also will ask, what's the ROI on working with you? Right now. That is a tough question because some of it suggests a lot of it is absolutely right. And so some things take a little bit of time because visionaries tend to be impatient and some things take a little bit of time. And, and I remember having a discussion with a COO or CEO who said uh, one of our ops people, somebody who worked you know, directly for me, 
came up with this idea that was great. And the CEO said, he goes, well, why couldn't you have come up with this? I go, well, that guy's been here for a couple of years, right? And I'm sure right. he had that idea a couple of years ago, right? So obviously the environment was such that he wasn't comfortable mm. sharing that idea. I just came in and created an environment in which him and others are much more comfortable sharing ideas like that. Because guess what? I am not an expert at what we do, right? But they are. So all the problems within the company and all the solutions within the company rest with those on the front lines and those that are actually doing it. And I created an environment to help that where they felt comfortable voicing their concerns and coming forth with solutions. So that's why I didn't come up with that. <laughs> right? Mic drop, Ron. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, so that's that why is... I didn't come up with that, right? I couldn't have no, you couldn't. It was his idea. Um, it just is what it is. And, and thank goodness the value was now extracted. So a way to articulate that, um, a very diplomatic uh, ability to to voice that and help them catch the the combined value of both people in a situation where it sounds like a leader may have been trying to consider how do I how do I have one or the other um, rather than retain both. And, uh, you know, it's not always it's not always the, the way to grow um, is, is looking at what you can eliminate, but looking at how do we create additions and uh, and cultivate new solutions. So this is awesome. Vision Pros, we're happy to have you on. Um, if you want to connect with Ron, absolutely reach out to him on LinkedIn um, and uh, elsewhere. You on, you on other social media platforms, Ron? Uh, just LinkedIn. Hey, I like it. Even simpler. So we'll make sure to add that in the show notes. Also, if you're on one of the other channels, you want to connect with him, then just drop a comment um, on the show and let us know. We'll for sure get him uh, involved in that. And uh, maybe him or I will do like a loom video response to you if you have a really good question. Um, we're always happy to give and uh, and support anybody who's listening in. So um, everybody have an excellent time sharing your vision. If you want to come on the show and share your vision, don't hesitate to apply and Ron, thanks so much for being our guest today. This was fantastic. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time.